Good morning. Welcome to Fathom. Hey, how's everybody doing? Kind of came out of nowhere, out of the dark, right? Scare somebody? It's good to see you guys. If this is your first time at Fathom, let me just welcome you. And uh, hopefully I'm welcoming you home to just a place that you can really grow, grow in your faith, grow in your family, uh, and really get a, a real clear picture about who God's created you to be here on this earth and that you aren't purposeless. And uh, if you've never been told before that you're beautiful and that God created you that way. And here's good news, that he's not done with you. He didn't leave you just here to survive this crazy, broken world that we live in alone. But he's really put people in your life, uh, maybe in this very room, that are just going to help you grow and just know what it means to just fall in love with the God that created you. And so if this is your first time, I just welcome you. Really hope uh, you do find a connection here today. Uh, if you were with us last week, we started a brand new series called Make, and really we're in a series of series. I, I don't know that I've ever experienced that before, but we're just crazy right here. So we're in a series of series called Go Make Disciples. That's our three to series. So we're right in the middle of it, like literally couldn't be more in the middle of the series. Uh, and so last week we got started talking about the image of God and that each one of us are created in the image of God. And I can't recap all of last week's message. You can catch it online. But ultimately, that, that you're creating the image of God, just how you communicate and that you need other people, and even down to uh, your emotional level, like that your most emotional capacity that is just in the image of God, and, and, but God's not done shaping us into uh, the image of Christ, uh, and so it's just a continual process. And, and today, I want to take a, a one step further in that journey, as uh, in this make journey that God's shaping us. Um, and, and I just start off, I don't know, how many of you guys, when you were maybe in middle school, maybe a teenager, maybe post-high school, maybe still today, you would just be honest with me and say, you're, you're really a rebel. You're like, really, you're a rebel at heart. Anybody? Rebel without a cause, like your kid rock in the flesh in the room? <laughs> Anybody? All right, we've got some rebels in the room. Glad I'm not the only one, okay? Well, one time we were in ministry, we were serving at a church um, previously, and um, there was something going on. I don't even remember what it was, but my wife called me out. I mean, I'm, I'm in, you know, mid-20s at this point, and, and she calls me out. She's like, you're just being rebellious. I'm like, okay. Oh, she just called me out like that. So you've probably been called out for your rebellious spirit, and really, I think there's something within all of us. Maybe we wouldn't consider ourselves rebellious, and maybe we're not really trying to be rebellious, but there's something within us that has trouble saying yes when we're told to do something. You know what I mean? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you just want to say no. Um, I, I, I'm saddened today because I, I, we had, I had planned, I'd been working and preparing uh, with another guy. He comes here. Uh, his name's Chris. And, and Chris has an incredible story of um, just God transforming him through the particular text. It, it, so much more than this text, but through his grace, but really through the text that we're going to go to today. I'm saddened, but Chris has walking pneumonia. So we were preparing this weekend. He, he got sent home from work like two days in a row, and he's like sh- sent me pictures of like all how bad he's sick and like all this stuff. And like we were kind of holding out till maybe he can be with me this morning. We were going to kind of share his story in the midst of this text. It was going to be beautiful. You guys will get to meet him, and he'll share later. But um, he has an incredible story, and, and I couldn't tell it, and so I won't. But um, he just lived this life of, of just running and living like kind of a rock and roll lifestyle all on the West Coast and, you know, uh, using and selling drugs and, and just a really a story of um, rebellion um, when it came down to it. And so when we, we come to a text that today that'll just talk about 
really come up, coming up under leaders and really what, how God has fashioned it that we would grow mature. Everybody said, if I told you who wants to grow in this room, everybody would say, me, I want to grow. But then if I told you what that'll look like, you might, like the, the hands will probably go down a little bit more. And, and then once we actually start to live it, the hands will go down a little bit more too. Because the process, we all want the end result, but we don't want the process. We, we want what that other person has. We want that person that, you know, acts like Mother Teresa at, at that work. But you don't want to go through what she's gone through to have that kind of pure of heart and spirit, and how she's had to obey when it wasn't comfortable. We, we don't want the process. We just want the product. And I hate to tell you, when it comes to Jesus, we've got to embrace the process. We've got to embrace the pruning, the shaping, as we saw with that bowl. So I, I'm upset that Chris can't be here today, but um, I know he's, he's praying over this today, and, and again, maybe you'll get to meet him soon. So we're going to go right into our text, Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to do this kind of my, my natural style to just walk through the text and just allow it to speak to our hearts. And I think there's really where we're headed is kind of verses 11 through 16. But I think we've got to grab a hold of like the first five, like six verses before that really has its, its roots. And, and when I mean grab a hold of it, I mean like grab a hold of it and apply it, not being like, oh, I get that, but like grab a hold of it and this has to become who we are if we're going to reach the fullness of Christ, which is what will be my title today, fullness of Christ, just reaching the fullness of Christ, which this text will will kind of instruct us on how to do. So Paul is talking, this is in Ephesians chapter 4, and he's in prison, he's writing from prison, um, I talked about who, who's rebellious in here. Uh, I, I won't ask who's been in prison. Um, you know, I, I don't want to in, embarrass anybody, but um, there's some of us in the room that that's probably where it's led us. Um, and, and we're thankful for the grace of God that's allowing us to grow. But um, you're, you're <laughs> I don't want to tell you, but, but you're in light company with Paul if you've been to prison. Because he's in prison right now and not like cushy American prisons with cable TV. No offense to prison system, but not cushy American prisons, but like um, imagine third world countries and like literally they were probably sitting in their own feces at times. That w- when I was in Cambodia just a few weeks ago, we went through this area. They just call it the culvert um, and, and this kind of area in which when the rain rises, they, they literally like live in their own like feces because there's no plumbing. And so that's kind of the culture we were in. There wasn't like great piping. And so their prisons were the worst of all. And so that's his situation. Let's just kind of set that up. Here's a pastor in prison for the sake of Jesus and telling people about Jesus and not like pretty prison, you know, with cable TV and basketball court, but um, a little bit different. Then I urge you um, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's talking to Christians here. Live a life that's worthy of the calling you, you have received. And, and so this is where it'll be easy to kind of fall off. And there's really can be a different gospel presented here that I believe is not the gospel of, of Jesus um, in that it, it's a gospel of works. And I believe in works. This, this text is going to give us a clear picture about how good works come out. But it's through the grace of God and it's through faith in Jesus that those works are presented in our life to do good things. Um, but, but salvation alone is not found in our good deeds. So if you're one of those people that think you're, you're good enough because, you know, you're not as bad as that person and, like, that's going to, 
you know, just kind of secure you, you know, at the pearly gates, if you will, or whatever. Um, I, I hate to break it to you, there's, it's faith. It, it's faith, and that's where it's formed at. But he says, live a life worthy of the calling. So I, I think this is important to understand that we each have a call on our life that God's called and he's chosen us and, and he wants us to walk with him and, and he's telling us to live a life that matches up to that. And verse two is going to tell us, he's going to start painting that picture for us of what that really looks like. So what's that life look like to be um, a life worthy of the, the calling? Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. I think this is part of what he's saying here. I think ultimately he's saying, like, learn to love one another. Like, he's in prison for the gospel, and he's probably upset, just as a pastor. Let me just relate to Paul for a second as a pastor. He's just probably upset that he's in prison for, like, you know, giving his life for the gospel, and people are upset over the color of the carpet in the church. You know what I mean? He's, like, telling them, like, live a life that's worthy of this. Bear with each other's weaknesses. Be humble and gentle. And I think these are worth breaking down a little bit, because these are used a lot throughout the New Testament, and they're known as the fruits of the Spirit, the things that come out of our relationship with Jesus and walking with the Holy Spirit. The things that come out of that are known as the fruits of the Spirit. There's like nine things that are listed in another part of the New Testament. And these are kind of, these are three of these. And so these are commonly used. But he says, be completely humble. And all these things he's saying are countercultural. We say, oh, those are sound nice, because you may have heard those words before, you may have used those words before, but humility was not cultural practice in this part of the country. If you look into the Old Testament, you don't see uh, really that as, like, if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to rise up, you've got to have a sense of pride and, and esteem and honor, but until Jesus really brings humility to the forefront, really as a way of life, I feel like... M- obviously more than it ever has before, and he lived that to the very end. But he's saying be completely humble and gentle, and the word that could even be used here is meekness, and really at the root of what it means to be meek is to be submissive, and that's a, oh my gosh, that some of you guys got scared. With submissive, we hate that word because the rebellious spirit in us is like, no sir, rebob. Uh, but this meekness, there's uh, another passage, I think it's in Peter, that it says Peter says, submit to one another. And actually, it's not in Peter. It's, it's in Ephesians. It's right before some of you have heard this text and like to argue over it about husbands and wives submitting to one another. And what husbands, you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys would like to argue about this. We're not going to go there. But right before that, right before that verse, the one we don't like to argue about, the one we just like to ignore, is one that says, submit to one another in Christ. So all that was set up, all the talking about husbands and wives and husbands, you know, giving their lives to their wife as Christ did for the church. We don't like to look at that text either. But it's all set up with all of us learning to submit to one another. So we don't want to talk about submission. We, don't, we, we probably, we want the product, we don't want the process of what that really looks like. And this is, again, this is all setting up what's happening at the end. But he's saying, you got to be gentle, you got to submit to one another and you got to be patient with one another, bearing with one another. How many of you guys got somebody in your life that you just, you're just, if you make it through that, you're just bearing with them at work? You're just literally, all right, let's just do it, okay? Unless they're sitting next to you or very close to you, we're just going to say that person's name out loud. Are you guys ready for this? And just so you know, like if you're worried about it, this is going to be recorded and it is going to be online. So if some of you just need to mouth it, being like, 
If you just want to mouth it, that's fine. Okay, you guys ready? I'm going to count to three. Get that person in your head who you are just bearing with. <laughs> okay? Unless they're sitting next to you. You guys ready? One, two, three. Oh, that was weak. <laughs> We've got to... You, got to be honest today. This is an authentic community where honesty is embraced. Okay, you guys ready? Let's be honest. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. There we go. Now I'm hearing it. You guys, you guys will get there. You guys are rebelling. That's what it is. Um, but bearing with one another in love, I think this is all about love. He's saying live a life that's worthy, worthy of the calling. He's saying you've got to look like the God that called you. Live a life that's worthy of that. And so we have to remember our motive is not obligation and our motive is not perform and our actions are not performance, but our, our motive is love and our action is gratitude. It's, gratitude is our response. That's how we live and that's why we respond. So again, it's not about obligation and performance, but these, God has changed us. And so why do we bear with one another? Not because we're told to, but because Christ bears with us. Because he, he, he bore everything for us. Why are we, we submissive to one another? Well, because Christ gave it all for us. Why are we humble towards one another? Well, because Christ lived the most humble life and, and, he, and he was crucified on a cross for us. Why would we be patient? The same thing. And, and so this is what it's all kind of running from it is, is just the love. And so bearing with one another. Let's continue. Verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And we, this gener- like our generation, like I'm right in the middle, okay? And I don't mean young generation. I mean all of us. Like we just don't know how to, I, don't th- I think we're losing the ability to just barrel through something when it gets tough. I think we're getting really, really soft as an American culture. And here's the thing, if you just are a dreamer and an achiever, you're not going to ever accomplish anything if you just quit when it gets tough. You're never going to accomplish anything significant if you just quit when it's tough. And so I think we've got to get this idea of making every effort. I've had conversations with people where there's been interpersonal conflict, whether it's been in a work environment, whether it's been in a church environment, and like they want to work it out in like two seconds, and if it doesn't work out in two seconds, forget it, it's, I'm just moving on. Make every effort to keep what? To keep the unity of the Spirit. Not unity of we agree on what colors the wall should be or we agree on what the music should be. The unity of the Spirit that we were all bought and changed by Jesus. That's where our unity comes from. Not in that we agree on everything under the sun. That's ridiculous. You don't even agree with yourself half the time. I know that. I, I'll get up here and I'll listen back to your message. I'm like, well, that was stupid. I don't really believe that. And so some of you guys, when you, when you disagree with me, it just comes out. And I'm like, oh, that's, that didn't come out right. They probably thought I meant this and I really meant that. And there's just like so much follow-up I want to do to explain myself. But it's really not about unity and everything. It's about unity of the Spirit, okay? And that God in, embraces who he's created you to be. And we're going, we're different I mean, look in this room. Do you see anybody that looks alike? Unless there's some twins. Sorry. Do you see anybody that, that looks alike? We all look different. Taryn and I were talking. We were watching the opening ceremonies, and we just loved that. We just loved to see every country come out, and we're just like, man, that's a beautiful people. They look so different from the last country. 
and they're beautiful, and God created them that way. And so there's these differences, but the unity is in the spirit. And so make every single effort. Don't be so shallow just to, to quit after two seconds through the bond of peace. Really, unity and peace with other people has to start with peace with yourself and with God. And I'll just let this sink in, because this, this, this moment can solve a lot of issues for you. Not because I've got anything, but I think this scripture is powerful through the bond of peace. This idea of, of the Jewish understanding of shalom that I, I think goes into understanding of Christ, of when we meet Jesus, we become whole. And in this process, it is Christ making us whole. We're whole spiritually, but physically, we are still working out our salvation with fear. And trembling is what one scripture says. But through the bond of peace, I think wholeness with Christ is going to give you a sense of peace with other people. You'll be less, you'll be less eager to argue. You'll be less eager to fight, I think, when you're really at peace with who God's created you to be. Because so much of it is birthed out of us trying to control other people or us jealous of other people. So much of our pain and lack of unity and lack of peace is birthed from that place. So really getting a sense of peace with us and God, I think, begins to leak into everything and we're able to be unified in the spirit. And it's not so hard to make every effort at that point. Let's go to verse four, five, and six. There is one body. There is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You know how many times he said the word one in there? Seven times in one sentence. You've never said the word one seven times in a sentence. You've never done that before unless you were just doing something crazy. He, seven times, one, you are one. And so when we're talking about unity, all these people that we're fighting against maybe, or we have ill feelings about unforgiveness with, we're not living up to what this says. You were under one God, one Father, one Spirit, one faith, one baptism. And it becomes really hard to, to fight with those within the body of Christ when we realize that, that we come from one Spirit and one God, one Father who is over all, he's through all and in all. Talk about humility. Just thinking of that for one second will just strike us with a little bit of humility that he's the God that's over all, he's through all, and he's in all. And I think that can really begin to transform us. So th this first section here, I think, is really just about understanding living a life that's worthy of the calling that's just filled with love, that's filled with, with Christ's love. The, the, the text we looked at last week, Christ's love compels us. It compels us to go and tell us. It compels us to see other people differently. And I think this text can kind of just bounce off of that as well, that we live a life that's worthy of that calling, to just live up to the unity, okay? So this is going to make more sense as we, we dive in. Let's continue reading and kind of move to verse 11. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I think this kind of goes to... Um, Romans chapter 14, when it talks about the strong and the weak, Christ has apportioned each of us grace. And, and this, this may be a little offensive to somebody in the room, but someone else may have more grace than you have right now because Christ apportioned it. 
like just for daily life. Taryn and I, we, we just had our second baby, and, and we, we talk about this all the time, and, and she's had this said to her by so many other mothers or people that have cared for children, and they, and they just say this, because she's just kind of at her wits end sometimes, just with kids, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, and, uh, or if you have anything else really stressful, you kind of know what I'm talking about, <laughs> and, and she, uh, she says this, is that uh, these people always say to her, God gives you the grace you need for that time. God gives you the grace you need to care for one kid. He gives you the grace you need to care for two kids. He gives you the grace you need to care for three kids in that season. God gives you the grace you need. And so though at different times we may need more grace, we may need more mercy, I think Jesus talks about this a lot. He uses a lot of different parables in in which things are given out and they're not equal. And people want to fight over it. I can bring up some parables People want to fight over it. But, but Christ says, look, look what, are you, what are you complaining about? Don't you have what you need? Didn't you have what was owed to you? Yeah, 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 I did. Well, what are you complaining about then? So uh, grace is given to each of us as Christ apportioned it. There could be a lot more on that. And that may offend some of you. I don't know. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many caps, captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? You're talking about Christ coming to the earth. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. A lot of theological stuff we could talk through there, but I want to get to verse 11. So Christ himself, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Here's this list of one, two, three, four, five. Some of you will know this is the fivefold ministry if you're really churched uh, and you really know about, you know, been in church for a while. Know this as the fivefold ministry. These are five things that Christ lays out um, as ministries in the church. And, and next week, hang with me, we're going to talk through a lot of spiritual gifts and just that God's enabled us to work together as one body to make something that's much more beautiful than we can make by ourselves. But these, he gives these, these are known as offices of the church. These are leadership roles in the church. You may see on somebody's sign where it says prophetess or prophet so-and-so, or you may, you know, see so, at some revival or something, evangelist so-and-so, or you may go into a class and a person's teaching, and that means you're probably a teacher, um, and, you know, you may see someone that says apostle, apostle so-and-so. Okay, let me, let me talk about this for just a second, because this is like, for most of us, 80% of the room, like this is just weird stuff for us. We don't know what we're talking about. We, we just don't like know what's going on here, and that's completely okay, all right? But let me just kind of lay out what, what these are. They're known as offices of the church, leadership roles of the church that Christ himself gave. And I think there's something really, really powerful to these, and we can kind of overlook these or push these to the side if we're not careful. Uh, but th- these are leadership roles in the church. Apostles were, were usually visionaries. They started churches. They really oversaw a lot of ministry. They, they taught as well. They pastored as well. They were known as apostles. Um, the prophets were people who uh, would reveal things for God. They would share things about the past and, and being, you know, and kind of refuting on God's behalf, saying, this is sin, or what you're doing right now is sin, or you better be careful because if you keep doing this, this is going to happen. We have books in the Bible that were written by prophets. Usually people think they're a little weird because God asks them to do really weird things, and usually they're isolated because of how obedient they are to Jesus, how obedient they are to God. Usually they're isolated, and you may have that gift. 
You, you may literally have that gift in this room. You may have the gift, gift of evangelism in this room. You may be, have a pastoral heart. You may, you may be a teacher in this room, and different things will, again, isolate you because of these roles. So as we kind of begin to look at these, and you may think, oh, I'd really like to do that. That looks awesome. I'd love to have this. You have to know about the responsibility comes in and what Jesus said about leadership when he wrapped a towel around his waist and got down to serve. People were like, whoa, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to wash my I mean, they were dirty, like, desert sandal feet. Like, it's probably nasty-looking feet. Like, um, I don't want to imagine it. But, um, <laughs> you know, we've got to imagine this for a second. And Jesus wraps a towel around his waist, and he goes to serve. And they're like, Jesus, you are not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you, if you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you've got to learn to be a servant. And so when we begin to idolize these and people that begin to lift themselves up to places in which is not the pattern in which Jesus did. And I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm for real. I'm not, I, I, I don't have hard feelings toward anyone. I don't hate you know, people who whatever, okay? You, you fill in the blanks. I, I know you can do that. You're smart people. So I, I'm not preaching that. What I'm saying is these are ministries of service. These are offices and responsibilities. So each of them had a set of responsibilities within the church. Evangelists were very good at going out and compelling people with the gospel and sharing the gospel with people. And so they moved around. Did they teach sometimes? Yeah, they would teach in a church. But really, their main ministry was not in a church. So it's always weird to me when people come into to, to churches and like, um, like have evangelists in revivals. And I'm not against any of that stuff. I'm just always trying to figure it out. I'm like, why are the people dead? Like, why do we have to revive them? Or like, why is the church, why is the church so dead that we've got to revive it? Isn't the church supposed to be full of life? Isn't it? So anyway, I've just got a little different views about that. Again, it doesn't offend me to have those things. I've been a part of many of those things. So that's just soapbox, okay? Soapbox, not gospel, okay? Um, the evangelist, the pastors that were shepherding and cared for the people and did most of the teaching within the church. Um, and then teachers, those that, that helped in, in other ways. And so sometimes prophets would teach, sometimes apostles. So there was just this unity of working together. There was this unity of working together in so many things. Okay, so verse 12, why are we talking about all these responsibilities? Because Christ himself put these in place to do what? To equip his people. To equip his people for what? For works of service. So Christ has put the, all of these roles, all these people, literal people in your life to equip you, to help you, to help us grow. For what? So we can say we did it, so that we can be like, well, now I'm doing this, or so we can feel better about ourselves? No, for works of service. Not for works of service to say that we did it, but why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. That, that's why God's put so many people in our lives. That's why it, it's important to, to be intentional about our relationships. To be intentional about connecting with people who are in leadership over you. Whether it be in this church or, or, or anywhere else in the world that, that you find yourself to connect with people and, and to sit under and, and, and learn. Because God's, Christ has put them there. And, and, and as my buddy Chris that we were going to have up here, this has been a major, major, major influential text in his life as it has been with me. And let's look at verse 13 real quick. 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. The text here, the Greek would probably say whole or complete. I mean, you think about making a table. I'm getting ready to build our dining room table. I'll let you know how it goes, okay? I've never done this before. <laughs> it, it, it may be wonky. If you see us like posting pictures of us sitting on the ground, we're not making cultural decisions. I just messed up on the table, and everything's sliding off. Um, imagine making a table until it gets complete and ready to be sat at. I think that's what's being said here, until we become mature. So again, how many of us want the end product? How, how many of us want to grow and become mature? You know, Not necessarily in the physical standard, but spiritually mature. I think we would all say yes, but, but really, do, can we embody you know, um, humility and meekness and patience with one another? And ultimately, next week, I'm going to be talking that it, it's not all, I don't think everything in the, in the New Testament is about pointing to all these leadership roles. Again, those are, this is a role of a servant. So again, I, I have to constantly say that. Like, it's much more comfortable to be sitting down right now. <laughs> so I'm not saying that, like, pat myself. I'm saying literally, it's more comfortable to be sitting down. And these are, it's a role of a servant so that we may become mature. And so these people are put in our lives to help us mature and grow, attaining to the whole measure, again, of the fullness of Christ. That God's knit us together, and some of us have certain gifts and unique abilities as we serve, that it, it, it bonds us together and it helps us grow. And so you've probably got something in this room right now that if you were maybe more active in, in being patient and bearing with one another, or maybe or, or being intentional with those relationships, that we could really help each other grow more. So a lot of times we just think we're making decisions to be antisocial, but sometimes we're making decisions to be anti-growth. Sometimes we think we're just, that's just our personality, but sometimes we're making decisions to not move forward towards maturity in Christ. And so we have to kind of filter this and, and understand that, that the goal is to become more like Christ, to attain, to not like partial measure, but the whole measure. And I didn't set it up. I didn't set it up. Christ set it up. And brought me here as a servant and so many other people, us in this room together, until we all reach unity in the faith. And it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done to reach unity. It's really easy to get bent out of shape and it's easier to move on. But it, it's hard to make every effort. It's hard to bear with one another sometimes. I'll probably say something in this 30-minute window in which I speak that offended you. If I don't say it today, I'll probably say it next week. And if I don't say it next week, within the year, just give me the year, okay? It'll probably happen, okay? We'll just wait, and you can say, yeah, he told me that would happen. But until we reach the unity, not in the color of the carpet, but in unity in the faith and of the Spirit, and that there's something beautiful that happens when we, we put our diverse experiences together and our diverse personalities. And when we set all those aside and we find unity in Christ. And that's what I want this body to be about, is unity in Christ. That every single one of us are, are just found whole and mature as we grow in, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure. And, and then listen to this. 
then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Chris, that was going to be up here with me, he, he had the opportunity to travel around after uh, he, he met Christ and, and really sat under some really influential Christian leaders in the nation. I could list three or four of them and you'd be like, oh, I know him, he's on that wing, and I know him and he's on that wing, and I know him and he's on that wing. So Chris literally, as he was just telling me a story over the past few months, that he just literally felt himself embodied by this text. That he just felt like he was getting tossed around. Every time he, he would hear something new, he'd be like, well, yeah, what about that? But that disagrees with that. And he just felt himself just kind of being pulled all over the place. And, and the purpose of all these things that we've been talking about and, and attaining the whole measure of Christ is so that then we will no longer be like infants, tossed around by every wind of doctrine. Because people make really good cases for their stuff. You know what I mean? But it really helps to have people within the body of Christ that we can go to. Like, help me digest what they're saying. Because they're saying this, and I thought it was this. But it takes real intentionality with our relationships. It takes real intentionality with our growth for us to really have those experiences in which we can be honest and, and recognize that maybe some of us were just being tossed around by different things different people have told us. And we don't really know what God wants of us. We don't really know what that obedience looks like. Craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. I love that picture. That we're one with Christ. We're the body. So next week we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 and it talks about the body of Christ. Just because my gift is more visible doesn't mean it's more significant. Just because God's put me in this place of service to speak doesn't mean it's more significant. The heart's actually more significant than the mouth. I mean, if you think about it. So we're going to be talking about that next week. But Christ is the head, and that's the unity we find is in Christ. Our different body parts have different shapes and forms and utilities and, and purposes, but the goal is the same, and we have to speak the truth in love with one another. What would it look like this very week if we just began to try to embody that humility? Who is it in our life that we probably need to be more patient with? Who is it that we've just been bearing with? Who is it that we, we need to just get a little meek with? Maybe there's somebody we need to speak the truth in love with and we've just been speaking out of spite or hate or frustration. We just need to speak the truth in love. Because from Christ, him the whole body, joined and held together, every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in what? Love. As each part does its work every single one of us every single person sitting in every chair you're loved of God and, and you're created in his image and you're created unique and together we're held together by Christ if it wasn't for this place and this time 
99% of us would never meet each other. We would never be in the same room as each other, most likely in this big city. We may. But isn't it funny that we are here together? We are in this space, in these chairs, on this block. We are in the same room. We are questioning the same things and maybe going through some similar things or different things. We're in the same room. And like, why? I mean, okay, we're here to worship God and here to fellowship, but there's something within that that God's trying to do in us. Is there maybe someone he's trying to connect us to? Maybe they're sitting in front of you. Maybe they're sitting behind you. Maybe you haven't met them yet. Maybe you won't meet them for six months, but I've got a real feeling you're here for a reason. So if no one's ever told you that, I, I just want to tell you, you are here for a reason. And I don't mean on the planet. That feels nice and fuzzy. I mean literally probably in this room, at the job you're at, moving to the job you're moving to, there's a reason you moved to this city. There is a reason. There is a reason. And I believe that within this, it's that every supporting ligament we grow and build itself up in love. As each one of us do the work, that we're equipped, equipped by the body of Christ, working together to reach the fullness of Christ. Will you stand with me today? And I want to pray over us today that we would just fulfill the scripture. And I pray that in this moment you would just open yourself up to let God speak to you. And that doesn't have to be a weird process for you. Just listen to God, be honest with him, talk to him. God, I thank you for these people in this room that are so unique and so beautiful. And I just pray in this moment, God, that we would be transformed by the love that Christ has for us. God, and I just pray that we'd find real peace with you today. If some of us are having interpersonal conflicts, if we're having conflicts at work or at home or in this very room at this very moment, I I pray that we would find peace. With just a simple speak of your word, God, that that it can be. Pray that we'd find peace with you, God. Just bring rest to our hearts. That's why you came. And I pray today that we would find unity in the body of Christ to be built up, to grow, to mature. God, I pray that we would push push ourselves outside of our comfort zone to be intentional with our faith. God, to be intentional with our growth, to find ourselves knit together in the body of Christ. As each of us has a role to play, each of us can serve and do good work for you as we're equipped, God. Help us to live up to the incredible calling that you've called us to. Help us to live a life that's worthy of it, God. We thank you. In Christ's name. Let's worship together today.